You're listening to episode 180 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I just wanted to take this opportunity uh, to, again, just really celebrate this landmark episode 180. Uh, same age as Kale. So, you know, we're really getting up there. Um, but, you know, the bright side there is that we must have that social security check coming in pretty soon, right? Nope. If, if it's anything like my life, <laughs> <Damn>. nope. <laughs> but oh what I would do is start wearing uh, like an Apple Watch or some sort of fitness watch because nowadays I have to check my heart rate just to make sure I'm alive and not actually <laughs> in like a, a Groundhog Day, you know, purgatory <laughs> where I, uh, you know, am actually dead. Oh, okay. There was a moment, um, I think. I think it was when I woke up, Marco was saying something in the chat. Uh, Marco and Phil are not on this episode. Um, both of them are dealing with real life stuff. Um, so we aren't going to make a joke about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not today. Not this um, week. <laughs> <laughs> normally I don't miss a moment, but uh, we'll be, you know, we'll be good. Um, and I, I thought, wow, what's he talking about? Uh, and then I realized, oh, yeah, coronavirus is actually a thing. Like, every day I wake up and I'm like, you know, I can't wait to see what happens today. And then I remember, oh, yeah, coronavirus is happening. It's still <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'd rather not know what's going to happen today. Breaking news. Everything is still fucked. Um, yeah. And you can't go outside. So? Pretty much. <laughs> um, trying to make the most of it, you know, trying to uh, – Find joy. I I got um, Resident Evil three oh, yesterday, nice. so I've been playing that, and um, it's really awesome to be playing a game about a viral outbreak that turns people <laughs> into killing machines during a viral outbreak. When you can touch someone, or someone can touch you, or cough in your direction, and they they are then a killing machine. I think that's a big part of the reason why I stopped playing uh, RE2 remake because I, I played like the first I want to say seven or eight hours of it and i was enjoying it quite a bit and then like it was right around when all this stuff started going down and i was like this is too heavy right now this is not what i need (laughs) you waited a while to jump on that one i sure did yeah (laughs) well i i ended up it was like uh in that lull period at the beginning of the year when like no video games were really coming out i was waiting on animal crossing and i wanted to knock some stuff out just because i had the time and i finished uh outer worlds and was like what else could i play and i was thinking about re2 and i found it on amazon on sale for like it was like a flash sale for like 17 bucks or something and i was like oh can't beat that damn that's a good deal i want to buy it again just because of that 17 bucks right like i'll get two copies shit (laughs) buy it for me (laughs) there you go uh but uh what would you play it on anyways He's I got a PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah. Oh, really? And a Switch. Yeah. I knew about the Switch. I didn't know about the PS4. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. very cool. <laughs> that's very wow. cool. It's a machine that's been out for almost 10 years. <laughs> hey, man. Everybody starts somewhere. Uh, so before we you know, get too deep into the convo, I'm going to let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet. Of course, we are the Comics Pals. Um, we are the Comics Pals no matter where you look for us. Um Go ahead and find us on social media at the Comics Pals. Give us a follow. Why not? Couldn't hurt, right? Uh, write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. 
If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you guys leave us a like, subscribe to our channel, share this video with your friends, and uh, drop us a comment down there and let us know how you think we're doing. All that stuff is free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. The biggest thing you can do, though, and increasingly becoming the way that we are engaging with our with our listeners is through our Discord. Uh, there's a link to our Discord in the description. Go ahead and click that and join the fun. If you're not a usual Discord user, Discord is simple and easy to use, uh, whether on your phone or your home computer. So, you know, just a few clicks and uh, you'll be talking to the Comics Pals at will. Uh, some of us more than others, i.e. Phil, uh, you probably won't be able to He just to. joined the Discord pretty recently. <laughs> it's actually a, a Patreon exclusive to speak to Phil. Uh, so, and it's at no. like the $100 level too. Like... <laughs> You better, you better want to talk to Phil. That's not. Yeah. that's not worth it. Honestly, who is it? Uh, Sultan of Swing. Do we know who that is? Yeah. No, he's a he's new a new, new a member good guy. listener. Yeah. Uh, shout out Long to you, Sultan fan. of Swing. Yeah, Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the madness. Yeah. Uh, increasingly, reading our Discord conversations and popping in every now and then has been a way for me to kind of. Uh, you know, stay sane. Yeah. So thank you for that. If you're mm. a regular contributor over there. Um, but another thing that's helping me stay sane is actually uh, the X-Men. And I've been watching the X-Men, the animated series and uh, thinking a lot about them. We actually just did a book club. I'm not going to spoil what the book is necessarily, but uh, it is X related. Um, so you guys can expect that really soon. And, uh, yeah, I've just been having a really great time with the X-Men. And then I saw this little uh, this little uh, tidbit shared by Tom Brevoort uh, from Marvel's uh, editing edit, – from Marvel's editorial side. And I thought it was really interesting. So who would you guys say has the most iconic look in the X-Men? Wolverine. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I, I I think I would agree just because for a few reasons, I think Wolverine has one of those designs where um, <clears throat> if you just break it down to just the colors, you could still be like, that's Wolverine. Mm. And I don't know how many of the other X-Men you can say that about with like the same level of like clarity or certainty, right? Because like even in times when they're all in very similar uniforms, Wolverine usually stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his design is a huge part of why he is so popular. So the link that I just sent the two of you is a tweet from Tom Brevoort. Uh, and what it's showing, and you guys will be able to see this. Um, we'll have a link to it. Could you actually what just throw sh- that in the messenger? Because I can't open it up on our uh, on our Discord some recording. Good. Uh, okay. I want you to see it. I want you to see it live. Um <laughs> Uh, what it's showing is what Wolverine would have looked like oh, no. if John Byrne uh, had his way. This was what he thought Wolverine looked like. So <laughs> I'm sending it to you here. Uh, that's what he thought Wolverine should have looked like. This guy, this, this guy looks like the um, uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? The, uh, the guy, the uh, the senator that turns into a preacher or something. 
Oh, in uh, um, what is it? God, uh, God, God hates loves, men, man kills. kills. Yes, look at him. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, what's his name? I can't. I I know who you're talking about, but he, I can't remember. He looks like that guy to me. The, um, it's the guy. The it's the See, one who everybody like says looks like Mike Pence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God! This guy. He does. This guy looks like a young Mike Pence. He does. That's what this Wolverine looks <laughs> like. <laughs> it's like was... Mike Pence in a fucking flannel. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It's it's just so funny because John Byrne, obviously a talented um, author and artist, but like it's not that it's it's not that it's a bad design. No, in, no. In general, it's just that when you compare it to like if you scroll down in this tweet, you will see Wolverine in very interesting um, in a very interesting outfit, but his hair is so iconic and so core to the character that I can't imagine him not looking like that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, that guy just looks too clean cut. You know, yeah. like, it's like you said, it's not a bad drawing, but, like, he looks, he almost looks like Magneto even, too. Like, yeah. he just has, like, this, It's he's very clean shaven, he has this very, you know, furrowed brow, and it's just, like, Wolverine has that, you know like wild look to him right like with all the hair and the thick beard and the the mutton chops and you know like i that is such a it sells the whole you know he's a beast of a man kind of thing and this guy just looks like he just looks like some dude <laughs> you know the guy, yeah it's like all right yeah i believe that this is a, a lumberjack that wolverine worked with at some point maybe but <laughs> <laughs> That's like about it. <laughs> I want I want someone to tell the story of this guy. Like, who <laughs> it is probably this? won't be What's interesting. <laughs> At this point, man, why not? I like he's just he's literally just some Canadian dude who Wolverine goes bowling <laughs> with a couple times a week. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's a uh, good guy. <laughs> re- relatedly, I happened upon just this morning a a group of uh, the X Men as pirates, mm, and uh, the Wolverine one is Sean's pretty. Is still pretty Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I'm pulling uh, it up by. Uh, oh damn! Twitter Twitter account RP Hutchin one nine seven five. That's real good. Mm. That's real good. Nah, I think the G. I think the G is my favorite. Come on, yeah, I think that's my favorite. Oh, I love it. I love a lady captain. Wolverine is basically bald. He's still got his chops, though. (laughs) He has no shoes on. He doesn't need shoes. He's a pirate. He's he's Wolverine. Are these the only two? No, he did did the whole team. Magneto's is interesting. Oh, I only saw those two. Oh, I see, I see. Um, I like Rogue. Yeah, Rogue is good. But I, I mean, just like I like it as far as pirates go, you know. But pirates so are not, not right. so much. <laughs> yeah. Have you made it to Magneto's yet? I, where is yeah. it? Yeah. He looks like down, a, or? If you click on the actual like uh, the tweet itself I and see. then scroll down, yeah. uh-huh. he looks like a gladi- he looks like a gladiator mixed with a pirate. Nightcrawler's is probably the best, just because this yeah. is something that he could wear. Totally, he's all, already he, he's already a swashbuckler. There's already a pirate arc. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like, like if Nightcrawler was wearing that in a in an actual comic, I wouldn't be 
terribly surprised. Yo, real talk. Can we just talk for a second about how Colossus looks like Kratos from God of War? <laughs> he's kind of does, he's yeah. like the exact same like arm strap with the one gauntlet and the beard. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, Magneto so this, is pretty this, cool. Yeah. This whole conversation is actually um, inspiring a question in me. Would you say that that question is somewhat random in nature? I would. Oh, then it's time for the question of the week. Oh, you know what? You, We're on Discord. Yeah. It cut out. Did it cut out for you? Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> glorious. Go. You're saying that was glorious. That's funny. Kill it um, up. <laughs> so, oh, did he do that on purpose? <laughs> so. I think that the X-Men are pro- probably up there in terms of having some of the most good-looking characters um both in des- in des- most you know in design like and then also over the years their costumes I think have been consistently good. What I want to know is what X-Man, what X-Person uh is your favorite looking? Who do you think has had the best designs over the years, the most consistently good? Man, I love it when Emma gets a good one. Because I think I think when people think of Emma, she is so fashion-forward, or people consider her so fashion-forward, that they always look stunning. Yeah, Emma's just got a cool design too like in general she's very visually striking um it's tough because like i i think i lean towards nightcrawler in terms of like my favorite design because i think he's another one who just he has such a a different design like the whole red with the shoulders and the v and everything like he he looks different than the other x-men almost all the time but in terms of like over the years i don't feel like there's that many like super memorable iterations of that costume you know um one character who i think is cool in that way is uh is beast because like beast looks different depending on who's drawing the book you know like in such a significant way so like mm. I feel like depending on when you came on to X-Men, you have a totally different beast in your head than someone else, you know? Hmm. <laughs> Plus there was okay. like that whole period where Grant Morrison turned him into like a lion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That shit was I, I, weird. <laughs> I think Beast is cool in that in that regard. Like that became a part of his mutation or whatever. Um, yeah, that well, was obviously like, his original look is his mutation, but mm-hmm. in addition to that, like he morphed over time. Yeah, because even think about his original mutation, right? Like he when he's an OG X Man and he wasn't blue and furry, like that was yeah. a development over time, right? So, um, yeah, his design has evolved a lot over the years and has gotten more and more interesting. Usually, yeah. But with with Grant, wasn't he was it was secondary mutations was the thing, right? Where like that yep. triggered him turning into so, the lion. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love a good Cyclops redesign too. If you can get it and get it right, it looks it looks really good. Well, you stole my thunder. Uh, Cyclops is actually my answer. Yeah. Cyclops is probably the least like. I think if you were to ask this question, like if the if the listeners were to answer, uh, they I think most people probably wouldn't say Cyclops. I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that he's not 
a character that people really gravitate towards in general. But if you look at his designs over the years, I think they're all pretty cool. Um, and I think in more recent years, probably over the last like 20 years, people have gotten really creative. Mm. Um, I like his Phoenix five costume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that one. Yeah. When he, when he becomes one of the Phoenix five, he gets a, a very cool, unique costume. Um, oh, I'm damn. Bit, yeah. That's cool as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Alex Ross has a good uh, Cyclops. He's got like a big coat. That's pretty cool. Yes. I like the, I like the coat uh, Cyclops as well. Mm-hmm. I still think my favorite one is, uh, is like the one that they used for MBC2. Where he's just got like it's it's like that very nineties with like they all had the light blue and like the chunky like yellow like belts and straps and he has the big boots and that's such a good look. I mean that's I think most people would describe Cyclops that way. That that is his most like iconic costume, yeah. of course, because it was used in the nineties TV show. For sure. Um Yeah, yeah. like I, and- that whole look is so iconic. With like the the blue and the yellow and like the the bright red X. You just described uh, every single one of his outfits. <laughs> no, you just named one that's all red, and he's got the I like the the mono black one that he was wearing in the 2010s is pretty cool too. Like he's got like the which is like, the the X on his eyes that's not yeah. uh, that's not the visor. Yeah, I, I yeah. Despite bendness, I thought that design was really cool. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool costume. Like most of Cyclops's looks are pretty sick. A character we didn't mention, though, who I think deserves some recognition, and I think that general audiences would call this person out, is Storm. Oh, mm. fuck yeah. Dude, her 80s punk, I'm wearing all leather and have a fucking mohawk, is one yeah. of the coolest fucking looks of any character ever. <laughs> so, so good. F- flipping it, though, who are the worst dressed X-Men. Blob. (laughs) (laughs) He's not an X-Man. Oh, right. Blob and his fucking nipple rings and (laughs) (laughs) tattooed stomach tattoo. Listen, I'm not necessarily saying this is my answer, but I'm throwing this out there right now. Jubilee is literally wearing dishwashing uh, <laughs> mitts like and a, and a raincoat. <laughs> Come on, yeah, yeah. I've never ever liked Jubilee. Her her costume is <laughs> weird. I like I like her glasses and everything. Like, but yeah, the whole like I'm wearing like kitchen gloves and like a weird yellow like trench coat. It's, it's not a great look. Not to totally. Like trash on Jean Way, Jean Grey, the oh, way I usually do. But the the nineties costume that she has in the animated series, I hate. I can't stand that costume. All right, okay. She had one bad costume. I'm just I'm just saying. I, I'm not. You're right. The question was who's the the worst dress. I'm just saying that's. I don't like that costume. That's a costume that you don't. That's that you, that's fair. Shot. You're right. No, 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 no that's fair. Because I would say in general she has great costumes. Um, yeah, I've never loved Dazzler's whole like. Okay, fuck you. A disco like <laughs> <Instant>. thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, man. I think I think the X Men across the board look pretty okay. Um, Beak one. Well, you asked Beak? us. I'm like, I'm trying to think of people. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm responding to myself. Um, <laughs> my definitive answer though is definitely Angel. I think Angel just doesn't have good costumes. Archangel mm. is a separate thing. Just yeah. Angel in general. I think his costumes are always the same, and they're always just generic. They're basic. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's, that's a that's a solid call out. Kale, you seem to be ruminating. I was trying to think. I I, I don't know. That's uh, the what the one costume that I've really really hated. Like I said, was uh, jeans. But like, I think you're right. I think the rest are pretty on point. I mean, I, don't, I, I feel I don't like, like X Men fashion. I don't like it when Iceman wears pants. <laughs> That's true. Like that yeah. feels weird, but that's, that's yeah, that's the one costume that I think I just don't like. Bobby in anything other than just his underwear. <laughs> no, Gene. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Unbelievable. Is it? Uh, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> so. Unfortunately, another week without pals pulls, um, but this time uh, it, it's 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 a little different just because like nothing came out really, mm. um, and I'm hoping that that situation is going to change soon. We're going to talk a lot about that in the news. Um, are you guys reading any books in the interim just to keep yourselves sharp or just to you know escape this deal? Uh, well, there was the book that we read for our, our book club, and I <laughs> read a ton of that real quick. <laughs> so, so no, on Pete's so, end. Not since then, no. Should we just I, – I guess we should just announce it, right? Yeah, why not? So uh, for this upcoming month uh, for the book club, we're doing Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force run. Uh, that was a me pick. Rick Remender is one of my favorite writers. Chose him for writer of the decade. Uh, and this is one of the books that, you know, really turned me on to him in a big way. And I think that when you're looking for great X-Men books from that era, this is probably, probably the best one. I, I, I don't really, I can't think of an X-Men book that was as universally praised as this. Especially during a time when Marvel was not trying to... They, they were deliberately... I mean, look, I don't know this for a fact, but if you ask me, they were deliberately putting out subpar X-Men stuff. You know, Oh, not, this was the era where they were trying to introduce the uh, the Inhumans. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, Actually, Rick Remender specifically, uh, on Twitter, he's been putting out a lot of like... Um, old material and talking about like pitches that he's done and things like that that got rejected or original pitches that were accepted original art stuff like that one of the things he talked about was a pitch for him taking over the x-men uh his uncanny x-force run was successful his uncanny avengers run was also a big success sort of a semi-sequel kind of it carries over a lot of concepts from x-force and he was asked to pitch for x-men and he did that, and 
Uh, he decided ultimately that he didn't want to go through with the book because of a mandatory tie-in to Inhumans. Mm-hmm. And those of you who uh, paid attention during that time will recall uh, event, um, X-Men versus Inhumans and Death of X, <clears throat> which, of course, led to the death of Cyclops. So, And that was also right around he, the time when they originally announced the Inhumans film. Um, was like shortly show. after... Well, it was the film originally, if you'll recall. Yeah, yeah, but the show actually got traction. Well, I think at that point, the Inhumans movie. God, that would have been it was 20, uh, 2013, 2012 when that was being talked about. I think what it was thirteen or fourteen because I remember I was at Rowan at that point, and that I didn't go there until my junior year of college. So I think that would have been twenty fourteen. Yeah, that makes sense. And and the Inhumans show debuted while we've been doing this. So, right. Um, 17, yeah. I think, yeah. And we started and, this, and, I think, the year after I graduated. So that would have been and, 2016. Yeah, so once the movie kind of got the ball, once the, once the ball was rolling with the movie, it was just full speed ahead with mm. the Inhumans in the books. And then, of course, that got rolled into a TV show and it was a disaster. But... Um, you could really feel how the comics had shifted. And like I said, X-Force was probably the only um, real standout in my mind. So if you haven't read it, now is a better time than ever to do so, just because there's nothing else to read anyways. And of course, if you want to keep up with us, you can go read that and then join us for the book club the last Friday of this month. Um, So yeah, that's what I've been reading too. I read that... um, over the course of a, a few sittings, and it was an awesome experience, but I haven't had the opportunity to sit with anything else comics-related yet. How about you, Kale? Uh, I did uh, – similarly, I did uh, X-Force. I did it in one sitting because I'm not a coward. Um, really? But, Fair enough. Uh, Damn. Yeah, I did. That's, that's... – <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, this dog training's got me beat, man. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but I'm also – I took a little break from you know a day or two after that, and I picked up uh, volume two of Matt Fraction's Casanova. Oh, okay. I finished one fairly recently, and uh, uh, this is kind of his – it was kind of his big uh, – I think it was Icon Project. Yeah, yeah. Back, uh, and it was like his – big pre-sex criminals thing um and i enjoyed the first one it's weird it's a weird book um gabriel ba was on the first one and i think fabio moon is on this one nice um so yeah i'm into it cool matt fraction is a writer that i i like i like him Mm. but i don't love him and that's because I mostly no, I would I would say exclusively have read his big two stuff, and mm. I felt like he had something, but then as soon as they gave him Fear itself, um, yeah, like mm. that just didn't really land, and then it was all downhill from there. For me, Fraction is one of these guys that, when you look at the stuff he's done, you can really tell that when similar to Tom King, when you give him a character. He can really do something with it, uh, but with like an event, I think there's a lot of pressure. And 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 I see Fraction as kind of this, uh, kind of this neurotic uh, personality type. That when that pressure really really 
cracks down. He he does not enjoy it, and he does not thrive <laughs> under it. I think there's also just like, and you made the Tom King comparison. I think that's apt where like, there's just different kinds of writers. Like there's some writers that are Mm. better at character stuff. And there are some writers who are better at, you know, uh, not necessarily just event stuff, but like events oriented writing, if you know what I mean. Mm. Right. Like, and that's, that's fine. Like those are two different kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And there are some people who can kind of play both ends, but you know, I think like when you think about what is really like good about, the fraction stuff that I've read anyway. And it's that, uh, you know, he has a good sense of humor and he writes characters that are like likable and that you mm-hmm. want to see have conversations and, you know, and like have relationships. And, and that I think works better in like a smaller story. And you think like, what's his big two stuff that he's like most well known for. It was his Hawkeye run, you know? And like yeah. he had room to develop those characters and, and do something that was like, you know, a little more personal. And I should say I did enjoy that. That the, his Hawkeye was really cool. Um, to your point, though, I think it's interesting that so many of the writers who kind of came in that boom period—no pun intended—of the like, like two thousand six to ten, yeah, uh, of like Fraction, Remender, um, like so many of those different writers were handed. Even Jason Aaron were handed events at Marvel and bigger, bigger books, and a lot of them struggled. Yeah, and um, I, I mean that could also be like I, I think it is like like I said, different skill sets, but it's also like I think events are tough to do well in general. Mm. You know, like I've read more events that I didn't like than that I did. Well, and, and and one thing with this group especially is that for the most part, most of them have, because of that time period and their time in, in the big two, have basically either left comics for a certain amount of time or uh, are only doing indie stuff. Yeah. You know, only doing their own thing. I mean – to be fair, like technically, Robert Kirkman is one of those people from that camp. Like he got his start at Marvel before he went and did his image books that popped off, you know. And like I think that's true of a lot of those people where like they saw that there was money to be made in creator owned, you know. And you see them doing that more and more. And like you said, like Fraction, right? Like him and Kelly Sue like started their uh, milk fed, yeah, milk fed, and you know, like writing for TV and everything, and you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, they're people whose skills I think are not in event comics, <laughs> but are in well, and, and not just not just event comics, but like the corporate you know grind of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and I think that that camp that we're talking about right now um, definitely used and and rightfully so. And Rick Remender has talked a lot about this, uh, and so has Kirkman used the. The, the profile that they were granted yeah. from working uh, at Marvel, specifically these creators we're talking about, um, to as a springboard yeah. to kind of go on and do bigger things and, 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 and be able to tell the stories that they want to tell without losing their audience in the first, you know, few issues. Yep. Um, without Rick Remender's work at Marvel, there probably isn't, you know, a deadly class TV show and... You know, no. all the things that, that, that did come after that. So, Yeah, and um, I would say if, if Kirkman didn't have his run on Ultimate X-Men, he probably never would have gotten to do 
Walking Dead or Invincible. You know, like, uh, Invincible was part of their bigger, like, we're going to do our own superhero universe push. So, like, that was something. But, like, Walking Dead, he's talked about how, like, that book, like, was really tough to get made. Because the idea was, like, oh, it's a zombie book? Okay. Like, what's that going to do? And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the print runs for it were super low. And that's, like, part of why it's, like, so expensive to get the first six issues or whatever. Because it was, like, that book was not really expected to go more than six issues. What was Image's um, superhero initiative? I've never heard of this. Yeah, so around the time that Invincible uh, was launched, which was in 2003, if memory serves, um, they were they wanted to like kind of start having crossovers between their like superhero properties more. And um, in some of the earlier issues of Invincible, and like you guys will see this when we do our book club on it later this year, um, there are cameos from like Spawn and Savage Dragon and stuff like that. And not at like a major capacity, but like it was like, oh, there's connective tissue between these worlds. And Spawn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, insane. And uh, Witchblade is like in, in like a minor event. And like, again, like they're not like, oh, they have major speaking roles or anything, but it's like, action is happening we need to summon the world's heroes they're there right um and mark actually originally appeared in like an image like promo comic i forget what it was called but um uh, mark is invincible mark is invincible for, yeah thank for you um, i didn't know and he originally showed up in that book that was kind of like oh like here's the image superheroes kind of thing mm-hmm. um i can i can look it up and see what it was called uh, let's. See. I know that they were gonna do Image United down the road, and then that never happened. Um, Image United was supposed to be like their the big company wide crossover, and all the all the owners were gonna step down and get their hands dirty. And each I vaguely remember it. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you well, know what? It, it might have been part of that because so he actually originally appeared in Tech Jacket Number One, which was another Robert Kirkman book. That's like a superhero he did before Invincible. Um, and well, sorry, what was it? Tech Jacket. Jacket. Yeah. That's... And Tech Jacket also appears in the Invincible universe, and and like mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, and then and then after that, he was okay. Here it is. Uh. First appearance is in Text Jacket and the in Noble Causes Family Secrets number three, he had uh, a cameo. And I think Noble Causes was the like the thing that they were getting going or something like that. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, like this is something that I remember reading years ago and reading in the back matter of Invincible, so I might be getting some of those details wrong. Um, but that was those two appearances were in two thousand two. And I remember there's like a promo comic where they were like hyping up Invincible number one, and that was like something that he had appeared in as well. Okay, cool. So um, we're gonna we're gonna head into the news, and uh, a lot of it is you know same old uh, same old COVID stuff. Ugh, yeah, um, the situation has progressed, and I think that it's it's interesting because news in comics is moving almost as fast as news in the rest of the world. Uh, just because every day there's something uh, – every day there's a new development as it relates to Diamond, as it relates to Marvel, DC, and stuff like that. So we're going to go over those things and keep you guys informed about what it looks like is happening in the comics industry. 
um, because there is a lot to talk about, believe it or not. So we're going to start with the first thing that kind of happened um, after our show last week, which was Diamond announcing that they wouldn't be able to pay vendors this week. So when we refer to vendors in this instance, we're actually talking about the publishers. So we're talking about Marvel, Image, Boom, you know, everybody. We're talking about them. So uh, this is um, their message to uh, to vendors. As the world's response to the outbreak of COVID-19, as the world responds to the outbreak of COVID-19, our focus is on protecting employees, understanding the risks to our business, evaluating the risks to our industry, and examining the federal government resources available. While the full impact of this epidemic is still unknown, one thing is certain. Supply chain disruptions have cash flow implications across the extended industry that can't be underestimated. While we work to understand the current industry landscape, the unfortunate truth is that we are no longer receiving consistent payments from our customers. This requires that at this time, we hold payments to vendors previously scheduled to release this week. This is a difficult decision and not one we make lightly. As the situation continues to evolve, we are committed to building out a plan for payment and we'll have more information to share later this week. Thank you for your patience and understanding during these difficult times. Now, that statement comes just after Steve Jeppe um, released a statement to the industry that was basically outlining the fact that Diamond would not be receiving any more shipments for books. Um whether it be last week or going forward for until further notice. And so the, my first thought when I read this, and obviously this is, this is not a good, um, this is not a good thing, but my first thought was why wasn't this included in that memo? There's no way they didn't know at the time. Yeah. My, my only thought is that they might've been, there might've been some kind of like deal or something like that, that they were trying to work out or secure a loan or something. And, and that ended up falling through. And then now their backs against the wall. Um, because otherwise I think you're totally right. It doesn't make sense to release that statement. And then like, you know, not even a week later be like, I have this totally different tune. Right. To, yeah. To that phrase you used there just now, this sounds like diamond, even slightly asking for sympathy, mm-hmm. which uh, frustrates me based on what their <laughs> response was last week. <laughs> which is like, I don't know, sell your old books. <laughs> yeah. Well, get creative. Well, Diamond, I don't know. I guess you better get creative. Maybe some of that old stock you can find on eBay will help you pay your bills. Ouch. <laughs> uh, it, this This has caused a lot of people to ask questions about why diamond doesn't have money so we under we all know that you know on the retailer side of things uh these retailers you know they're 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 almost paycheck to paycheck with keeping their businesses afloat and i think that maybe there are some publishers who experience similar things but i don't think that we thought that diamond themselves had that same type of situation going on. Now, obviously, payment has probably been down for weeks now as mm-hmm. it relates to coronavirus because I'm sure that a lot of people have made the decision not to go to stores well before this the shelter-in-place uh, orders were put out. 
But you would think that they'd have money to like that the very first week that new comics don't come out would not be the very first week they couldn't pay <sighs> publishers. I see it's funny cuz I I think I would have thought that prior to quarantine because like seeing how this is is ravaging the restaurant industry has made me realize how many businesses operate not even like uh like month to month but like the previous month or so mm. to month because like and i think i mentioned this on the show last week so i'll, I'll keep the explanation did, brief yeah. but from my understanding is that restaurants like the reason they're having such a hard time is that they pay for everything that they need and then like their month's income is paying for like the previous month's debt and the idea of diamond being in a similar situation especially seeing this now doesn't seem crazy to me because when you think about what they are they're a middleman right they buy product, they sell product, and then they pay their debt. So if they've bought all this product that's been, to your point, Sean, moving less and less every week for the last several weeks, and now there's no product, yeah, that probably uh, – considering like how thin the margins are on comics to begin with, I'm, I'm actually, I guess, not that surprised to hear it now with the context of all these other businesses going through the same fucking thing now. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a grim revelation. Uh, yeah, and it, it it almost it almost makes me wonder if if that's the situation that Diamond operates within. What is the like? Is it just because this is what they do that they continue to do it, or like what? Like why not get into something else? I don't know. Like it just doesn't seem that sustainable. Well, I think that's why comic stores are being flooded with shit like Funko Pops and, you know, you know, collectible junk. It's just so, you know, the, and the same reason stores sell all that stuff is just to get more revenue. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think to your point, Sean, it is, it is a probably just because like that's what they do. And it's also like they corner a market. So mm -hmm. like even if. You know, I that nobody was expecting this, right? Because I think, like, with that mentality that you're applying here, like, I think you could say the same thing of like, well, why the fuck does anybody open a restaurant, right? Because like, it's a huge gamble, and most of them fail. And even if your restaurant is successful, you apparently don't really ever make that much money. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, yeah, I I, th I think it's uh, part of it is that there must be people at Diamond who really love comics and wanted to work in comics, and that's why they work in comics. And the other thing is that, like, when you corner a market, like, you know, even if the, the financial returns aren't huge, like, you know, I'm sure they're making enough money to pay the higher up people a pretty decent salary and keep cashing checks every year. So why not? Right. You keep rolling. You don't expect a worldwide catastrophe to fuck up distribution for months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so unfortunate news there coming from diamond uh essentially the, the industry leader when it comes to um you know putting these comics out there uh so that was that was not great but then uh dc had something to say and this really set the industry on fire um so dc made the announcement 
on the 29th uh, of, of March that they would continue to publish comics digitally. Uh, that there would be no stoppage that, you know, this week that just passed, we would see the full slate of DC's planned books released. Uh, this came from uh, Adam Phillips, who is the director of marketing services over at DC. Uh, he said, here's where we are on digital. All our data shows the digital consumer and the physical consumer are two different audiences. For now, we're going to continue to release digital comics, but we'll revisit this if the pipeline for physical distribution continues to be challenged and disrupted. So, in addition to that, uh, and this is before the Comic Hub thing, which we will get to, uh, he was asked about the, the idea of of retailers selling digital codes. Um, and he said, not yet, but we'll look into it. Hmm. So obviously this is something that we talked about last week. We talked about the prospect of publishers like Marvel and DC, just continuing to put their books out digitally because it is a possible, uh, it's a possibility. Um, we also talked about the fact that DC's only commentary on this was that they were not going to ask creators to stop working and yeah. uh, that they would still be putting out the Gotham uh, original graphic novel through bookstores. So that was all we got. And then and then this was the follow-up, which was that they were going to publish everything um, uh, going forward. Uh, hmm. Now, in addition to that, we also learned that they were exploring a uh, this is according to Newsarama, a multi-distributor model to continue to publish books uh, during this crisis. And this was an official letter that DC put out actually on Saturday to the retail community. Um, now, I want you, while I'm reading this, to imagine yourself as someone who sells comics for a living and who is waiting patiently for DC and to a lesser extent Marvel to put out an official statement about their plans going forward. Keep in mind that DC and Marvel make up something like what? 60, 70 percent of the I think 70 percent. Yeah. It's something like, yeah. yeah. It's for 41 and 29 were the last numbers I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a retailer as I'm reading this. First, the entire team here at DC Fuck hopes it. that you, your family, and your employees are staying safe and healthy during this very tough and precarious time. We know that you have been waiting for DC to comment on the state of affairs and to address any measures we will take to help our community lighten the burden of the disruption to our business. And we've been working hard on a long-term, solution-focused plan. Here is how we will help. Periodicals and books with in-store dates between March 18th, 2020 and June 24th, 2020 will be fully returnable. We'll even credit for your separate return shipping of these items only. Additionally, because we participate, anticipate that continued disruption to business operations will create regional volatility, DC is exploring a multi-distributor model to provide us with the flexibility needed during this crisis to get new content to our readers on an ongoing basis. 
In the short term, we continue to engage in active conversations with Diamond to help us solve this distribution issue that has arisen and hope to get new product to stores that want or need it as soon as possible. We will provide additional information about how we'll make that happen in the coming days. So, uh, it ends with calling retailers the lifeblood of this industry. Now, you're a retailer. What DC just said is that they intend to find other people, other ways of distributing books, Mm -hmm. right? So circumventing Diamond to get books on shelves. Shelves where, right? Right. Where is it that DC has inroads? So they've been making inroads for the last four or five years Mm. outside of the places that Diamond traditionally operates, comic book stores. They're making inroads at Walmart. They're making inroads at those those big box chains that, by the way, are still open because they sell things that are essential. And bookstores. Mm-hmm. Bookstores, book publishers have not stopped. They have not uh, respected or responded to shutdown. They're still mm-hmm. working. Uh, and so DC appears to be looking to continue to publish books, not only digitally, at least as of where we're at in this story, but also through other channels. Of course, that includes Penguin Random House. That includes Simon & Schuster, who are now potentially going to be distributing comic books. Because their warehouses are open, their printers are open, um, and allegedly, according to a Bleeding Cool article, there have been rumors that Penguin wants to buy Diamond. Oh, God. That is very interesting, and that that seems probably likely, actually, especially if they're now in debt, that like another, a larger corporate entity could come buy Diamond, absol- like buy their debt. Pay it and then own comics distribution single handedly. I have no idea if that would be a good thing, but fucking anything to get diamond. Yeah, I don't as it is now off the board. I don't, just fucking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about Penguin or publishing, I guess, in general to speak to what their reputation is like there. But I mean, I think we've all been critical of Diamond in the past, and and they're kind of, um, and I guess, unwillingness to adapt and evolve uh so the idea of comic distribution being bought by a bigger company and and potentially like streamlined a little bit um that's that's maybe a good thing but it's hard to say uh the thing i'm more interested in commenting on is um and and i'm interested to get your guys thoughts on this the statement from dc the thing that stuck out to me as like an interesting point of, of conversation was when uh there was that statement that they were going to continue selling to the digital market because the digital and physical markets are different markets. So fuck the physical market. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> but but think about think about that that as a as a value prop. Like, okay. Do you think that makes sense? Because like we've talked a lot about digital on this show and the potential of a digital revolution and yada yada yada. Even last week we were talking about how it's like that represents ten percent of the market. 
Yeah. Do you think that 90% does that matter then? Like if the digital people are still there and want to buy their digital comics and we're never going to buy a physical comic, like is it a bad thing to keep selling to them? Like if if you come up with a solution that speaks to the physical market as well. We are going to talk about that a lot uh, in the main topic. Okay. So I'm actually going to table it for now. Put that on pause. Um, Fair enough. What I will say is that clearly there was enough negative feelings about DC's decision to continue to publish digitally that they changed their mind two days later. Uh, Which is not great. They've been doing that a lot lately, it feels like. (laughs) For the week of April 1st, they were originally going to be publishing the entire slate of books. That changed, and all that they released were the digital first books that they had planned, uh, the reprints and collections. So um, that eliminated, obviously, as you can imagine, a ton of books. Granted, we don't know if they're going to continue to not publish their books in any way or if they're going – because like, like, like we just talked about, they're discussing – maneuvering with with penguin potentially um and and who knows who else we don't know if in a couple of weeks from now they might change their tune but as of now they're not going to be publishing their books digitally i i think okay so my my initial overall reaction to this whole thing is it's amazing to me how the number two publisher in the industry is only just now looking for other distribution platforms. By just now, you mean like because of the crisis or in general? uh, I would say both. Okay. Yeah. Like, I feel like I feel like I I know that DC has, you know, uh, deals with Barnes and Noble and, you know, they, they have the various uh, big book market, uh deals but for the the floppies like it's it's incredible to me that they haven't shifted that way before all this and and what i mean is not not necessarily even just in places like barnes and noble but like using those distribution platforms for comic shops which they say are the lifeblood of the industry mm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not entirely sure. I want to be clear on what what it is that you're suggesting. Like, so, killer, are, are is your meaning there that like, why why is it why did it take coronavirus for the Marvel and DCs of the industry to look for something better than Diamond? Yeah, um, I think that I I think that rocking the boat is generally not what anybody wants to do. Mm. Especially um, the two in the lead. Yeah. Yeah. If you're winning, How, why change your strategy? Yeah. What you have to think about is like, okay, Diamond, let, let's, like, we, I don't think enough about Diamond and I don't, I haven't done enough research into Diamond to, to be able to say they suck or they're bad for the industry or anything like that. I'm not willing to uh, go there. But let's say that that's true. If that's true, it would suck the most for everybody under Marvel and DC. 
I guarantee you Marvel and DC get paid on time. I guarantee you mm. that they don't struggle to, you know, get their books where they need to get their books. Marvel and DC do all of their own, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? All of their own promotion. They have direct relationships with retailers when it comes to promotion and putting promotions on. So why would they need to do that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough to say because I think uh, Marco's. I wish Marco was here because like he's done a lot more research into Diamond and like obviously has very passionate takes on this subject. But I, I think I think you're right with a lot of what you're putting out there where like the reason it hasn't changed is because there's no reason for industry leaders to make changes if they don't need to and big ships are hard to turn and also i think something that we talked about a lot the comics industry in general it's old like comics have been a, a, a staple of american culture you know since the like 30s and 40s and like the distribution of them has really only changed a few times ever, right? Like pre-comic book stores, pre-direct market, you got them at newsstands or at drugstores or at grocery stores, anywhere you bought magazines and stuff. And Mm -hmm. when the direct market exploded, that pretty much died out. You know, like I remember Borders being one of the last bookstores that carried comics. Borders, wow. Right? Yeah, and they closed in like 2006 or something like that. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a combination of all of those things. It's that, that it's that if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. It's that, you know, if your margins are already thin, you don't want to rock the boat because, uh, uh, again, we talked about weeks ago about how the comic industry has said it can't survive a 10% reduction in sales. And, you know, if you're a Marvel right now and you hold 50% of the market and your books are selling and, you're fine and your margins are thin, but they're there and you're making money and it's profitable and the master, the corporate masters are happy because your IP is worth a ton of money. Like what, what incentive do you have to do that? Would it help the entire industry? Sure. But what the fuck do you care? You're, you are 50% of the industry right now. You should be thinking about that when you're down, which is why DC has been looking for all these big box partnerships and all these other things. They are the ones trying to drive that, development and that advancement because they need to because they're fucking Mm -hmm. losing it's the same reason you know uh to bring it back to video games for a second that's why this generation you see microsoft making all these consumer friendly moves because when you're in second place you need to do something you know um and marvel has no fucking reason to rock the boat especially not right now so i think the fact that everybody's doing it now is out of necessity it's because they realize that the house of cards, all it took was one leg to fall out and the entire thing topples. And that's not sustainable. But until now, we had no idea it wasn't sustainable. How many times have comics not been published, right? For like a, a, a full week or two in the way that it has right now. How many times has that happened in the uh, literally almost 100 years now? Next decade, it will be 100 years of comics being a popular thing that have been published weekly. You know what I'm saying? Like, the industry didn't know. and Or if they did, they didn't think they could do anything about it. Also, keep in mind, right? Like, this is an unprecedented event. Yeah. There's never so, been a global catastrophe like this in the modern era. Yeah. So, there will be moves made 
that correspond with what is happening. You know, they have to react. Um, the problem with this reaction, though, is is what we're actually about to talk about next. Um, and you know, the, it, again, it's 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 how the retailers feel about it, and they don't feel good about it. Uh, so, Bleeding Cool reached out to several retailers to ask them their thoughts about what DC Comics is choosing to do here, and um, none of it is positive. Uh, Jesse James of Jesse James Comics wrote, Well, it was the one company I was glad to part ways with. They are not a team player and continue to prove that point. LCS LCSs will remember this day. Brian Hibbs of Comics Experience. Uh, we we actually read some quotes from him last week. He was not in favor of the idea of um, uh, digital first or giving giving fans a digital code and a promise of being able to pick up the physical book later. Uh, he said, DC's announcement is disgraceful. By separating stores into have and have nots, they are going to hasten many stores' demise, and they are encouraging retailers to violate stay-at-home orders and risk their health for corporate profits. Further, not in the announcement, but buried in the comments in the retailer threads, how disgusting, how cowardly. They are not going to halt digital release of new books, which is something we talked about. This is a dire mistake, and even a tiny amount of cross-channel converse- conversion will put the majority of retailers in enormous economic peril when coupled with the above. I have never been more emphatically disheartened and disappointed by a so-called partner. And it goes on and on. I'm not going to read everybody's uh, response. But the industry is not driven by anyone but the retailers. Because retailers have to sell comics, you know? And it's not like Marvel is like, I don't know, the Gap or whatever, right? Like Marvel doesn't have a store. DC doesn't have a store. In order for Marvel and DC to get their physical comics into your hands, they need retailers. So DC's decision to kind of like go, well, we're going to look for other distribution models and we're going to look for... Uh, different ways to get books into the stores, into different stores. That sounds very, like a, a big problem. And something that was addressed by Hibbs, where he's mentioning the have and have nots, it's kind of like, well, if you can get to your store, right, where these books will be shipped legally and you can, you know, and safely, then you're in an advantage over a retailer who can't do that. Because yeah. then you can go and ship your books out to, to, to customers. And I, um, I guess the. The problem is, though, right, and um, and I'd like to clarify before I say anything, right? I'm taking this as a devil's advocate position to further the conversation. What what do you do then, right? Because like we've talked a lot about like the digital codes or or these other alternatives. Like, I I I I think I I've been pretty consistent on this show with like not being the first one to give a, a major company like this a break, but. I don't know what retailers expect them to do if this is the status quo for a significant amount of time, right? And uh, I, I said on a previous episode about how I think the industry needs to come together to weather the storm. That being said, I, what what like to borrow from that quote, what is the expectation on DC 
for a comic book shop that can't currently open because of because it's illegal. And you know, like I I don't know what solution there is for them to be like I'm going to somehow get you product while you're not able to go to your store and it's not safe for you to go to your store and and help you continue business. Like I don't know what a, a realistic answer to that problem is, first of all. And I, I don't know how it's f- necessarily fair to put 100% of that blame on Marvel and DC because they sell the most comics. Like, you're right. Their product drives the industry and mm-hmm. it's it's the it, – it, it, they have a responsibility here. But, like, how long can Marvel and DC just be like, we're not going to print any books and we're not going to pay our artists because we – if we're not selling books, we can't make books. So, like w- – I don't know. Like, if the entire industry just decides we're going to shut down and not produce or sell anything for the next six months or the next 12 months until there's a, a COVID vaccination and a significant change in the status quo right now of, of the advancement of this disease, like, all these shops are going to close anyway. Because – yeah. Uh, and, and I think I think ultimately it's you know uh, Phil or Marco or you know one of the what do those guys say it was probably Phil frankly uh, you know said something to the effect of I mean, there's got to be government intervention yeah right I, I, like, I said that too where it. it's like the government is the one who needs to save these businesses not DC and and again I don't I don't uh, begrudge any of the comic books owners owners for being mad about this response because i i agree i think dc's response to the whole situation has been you know uh, it's been nothing really you know yeah. oh we're callous gonna, yeah it's callous it's like good luck we we care about your safety or whatever but we're gonna keep selling books and i i get that right like they they move 90 percent of the product and there's a real chance that they don't survive this situation and their quote-unquote corporate partners do and that's awful but in the same breath, what is the solution? Like, I, I don't, I don't think that selling digital codes and pro, like we've talked about all these things and why they don't make sense and why they aren't the things that are being done. So I don't, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know what the Marvel and DCs and even to I think a more important statement: the images and the Titans and the the companies that don't control fifty percent of the market. They can't just do nothing for a year. And, you know, like that, th- that's going to hurt stores and it's also going to hurt creators and publishers and editors and people who make their living from making comics versus selling them. And like, that's not good for the industry to be like, we're all just going to not do anything for a year and hope that we come out the other side and whoever goes down goes down. And like, there needs to be a solution, but I don't know what the fuck it is. I could say everything you just said. But say it in defense of retailers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it'd be the same thing. You're totally right. Because the industry is symbiotic and you can't remove one part from another and expect it to survive. It's just a fact. And you're talking about a lot more people on the retailer end who have businesses and families than and employees. Um, and employees in DC as one as one entity. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is DC willing to sacrifice a large portion of those businesses to be able to put out, to be able to continue to publish the books? Uh, it's really that simple. And it does, it does come across as callous. 
in the same press release where you're saying, hey, you know, you guys are the lifeblood of the industry and we're thinking about you and your families. You're also saying, but we're going to do something that could put you out of business and leave you and your families homeless. Mm -hmm. And then, like Hibbs pointed out, to not even have the chutzpah to say in that press release that you're going to continue to publish digital books. Which, like I said, DC ultimately decided not to do that. But they were going to do it. You know, and that that's the problem, right? It's a there. bad look. <laughs> yeah. Um Kill, did you did you were you gonna jump in there or I don't know. I, I, I do right now I don't think I have a problem with companies moving digital product right now. Just because it's still early. Like we say, these books have to go out on some level. We need to get creators paid. We need to get something continuing yes that takes the retailers out of the equation and that is a solution that has to be worked on but uh to me i don't the the digital side of it i don't really i guess i understand why people are upset that that is happening but to me it seems like that would be a good thing i don't know uh, and maybe that's just my two cents, you know, a little tangent, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so 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 then let's let's jump into Marvel's most recent comments, and then and then we're gonna dive into all that because we, cool. we're we're circling around the comic hub conversation, mm. and that's where we're gonna be able to really get into answering some of those questions and. And and, and and diving into whether or not that's a viable solution. Um, because what we talked about last week, uh, well, they tried it. So, let, let, But let's jump into Marvel. So Marvel says uh, that they are pausing work on uh, one-third of their May and June books. Uh, so they put that... They put that out there, that message. Um, 15 to 20% of the titles that have been solicited will be affected because some of them come out twice in a month. Um, now, they say they're doing this to help spread the amount of publishing product over the coming weeks and months. Uh, this is, for those of you who might be questioning what that means, we talked about how uh, there was a possibility of Slowing the release of some books in order to help retailers um, who would need to buy this stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. to, to help them out in this time, to help Diamond out um, and things like that, to just release less books. So um, uh, they were asked when they were going to resume publishing those books. Uh, they said, Marvel said, as soon as more information is available, we will outline our longer term plans. Uh, and Marvel was telling their uh, creators who are working on those books about this on Friday. Um, and then to Newsarama, the spokesperson said that all talent will be paid for their work to date. Good. That was of my course, primary concern. Yeah, but that's a way around saying they won't be paid f going forward. For the stuff that's been done. delayed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So a it's lot like, of people were really pissed about this. Yeah, I mean really, really pissed. Yeah, right. And like this is um like the wrinkle that I brought up in the last one, which is like them delaying these books or or, or pausing them or or you know, maybe potentially canceling some of them. Um that that's a paycheck that you know, you're a creator that you're a fan of was depending on. Um and we know from our conversations with you know, uh, people like uh, Christopher Sabella or like Ted and Rowe, um, when you're at that level and you're like, you know, like you're just uh, getting started to make your living or you've been comfortably making your living in comics for like a short amount of time compared to some of the, you know, the heavy hitters in the industry or whatever, like you're probably living paycheck to paycheck. You probably don't have a ton of savings to fall back on. And the fact that like all of a sudden, like b- b- work that you had lined up for months you thought is just gone that's not good and mm-hmm. like that um to your point Sean right like there's there's that human cost in all this and right now it's like i i think the the people who are initially being hurt are retailers and like creators are the next ones on the chopping block and it's those the smaller creators that are going to be the ones that struggle and I think, like, the thing that is scary now to think about, too, right, is imagine you are, you know, a freelance comic creator and you had this series at Marvel or DC that you had lined up and you're like, cool, that's a steady paycheck. I have until, you know, say say even that the series was going to end in June, right? You're like, I have my money situation figured out until June and then I need to line up more work so that, you know, I can pay my bills. And now all of a sudden you have two months that you thought you had your money figured out for that you're all of a sudden you have no money and are you going to be able to find other freelance comic work right now? No, because no one's publishing anything. And are you going to be able to find even like a part-time job, like some bullshit gig that you could work to make sure you have income, like to be a waiter or a bartender or any other service industry jobs that people in creative fields usually take if times get lean? No, because everything's fucking closed. And like, what the fuck do you do? All of a sudden, you're you got you're you're destitute. And like, yeah. we and again, we're gonna talk about this in the main topic, so I'll pin it here. But um, that's not okay either. And like. Like the industry needs to find some way to move forward, and like the the reality is that shops are going to close. Like people are going to miss those paychecks, and some of them are going to end up, you know, like le- maybe leaving the industry because they can't afford to be in it anymore. And like that is scary. That is what I'm most afraid of. Is um, how much of a percentage of the already small community industry like just can't afford to, to stay in it anymore. Can't afford to stay in the game because like, this is what is happening right now. Um, and, and we talked about last week too, like the people who make their money touring and going to these conventions or putting on these conventions and, you know, the shops that sell all of their back inventory because they go to New York comic con and they put a bunch of books that they haven't been able to sell on sale and, all those things are going away right now. And like, there is no solution that saves everybody. And that's the chilling thing, you know, is that like, there are going to be casualties to this and that's unavoidable. Like the best thing we can do 
as a community, as an industry, is to like mitigate damage at this point. And that's not where you want to be. Okay. Uh, I think that the conversation has reached a point that we just need to be talking about this in the full the fullness of this let's get you know, in that get into the comic the comic hub stuff so that's what we're gonna do all right all right so this this all started uh on april 1st april fool's day um oh no wonder <laughs> and this is this is what we're about to talk about uh is something that was proposed um, the week prior. And what we're talking about is the potential uh, for Comic Hub to become a way that the industry can save itself. So Stu Coulson, um, who is a store owner um, and who owns uh, Com- Comic Hub, um his basic plan was to use Comic Hub as a way to allow retailers to connect with uh, fans who would purchase a digital book, and that code would also come with a receipt that would tie that would tie that person to a, a retailer near them, where they could go redeem the receipt for a physical copy of the book that they just purchased. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Um, and Bleeding Cool put out an article on April 1st simply titled, Today the comics, the comic shop's direct market was saved. Um, and it's a very – yeah. I, I hate how all of this happened on April 1st and it was all – like it was all legitimate. It really was. <laughs> I, I know, right? I hate it. It's it's pretty funny. Um, so they had this this big plan, uh, that it would allow for everybody to eat. Everybody would get a piece of this. Everybody would, um, would would make money off of this idea, and that we could everybody have but it. Diamond, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, actually, Diamond Diamond would still make money off of it because. Um, there they would be getting a piece of the of the pie and then shipping the books later when the books become available. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, this would all be done by the fifteenth of April. That was the plan. Was to uh, iterate on this. Uh, it's it's more or less an app. It's a software tool um, that publishers already use. Um, and just to get that integration between retailers and fans going so that we could, you know, start uh, the industry back up again. And Bleeding Cool p- positioned this as, like, the savior of comics. Um, and retailers, or I should say uh, fans, and some people who are, are creators in the industry, some people who, you know, have some sway seem to be very excited by this because it presented a way for everybody to continue to make money during this crisis and for fans to be able to still read the books um, and no one would have to stop production. Well, retailers didn't like that. Retailers didn't like it so much 
that it's not happening because not even gosh what was it uh not even <laughs> the next day not even yeah. one day later not even 24 hours later it was announced that this was not going to happen so uh John Hendrick from Big Bang Comics who is you if you read comics and you're on Twitter at some point you've probably read a tweet by this guy um, he's very insightful, very knowledgeable, and um, he's been a champion of this idea. And he really went to bat for Comic Hub through this process. He said, uh, the Comic Hub Advanced Digital Reader Copy Initiative isn't going to move forward right now. It's obvious from the concerns voiced by our peers that this isn't an initiative they can get behind. This was designed by people who love comics with the best of intentions to get cash flow back moving in our industry again from the retailer all the way up to distributors and publishers. But until such a time as we can all agree on a solution that fellow retailers can support, there is no point in Stu Coulson continuing at this time. Uh... He went on to say, unfortunately, publishers who were interested in joining the platform now aren't, and we can 100% understand their decision despite the positive reception by customers and creators. This might not have been a long-term solution, but we didn't need it to be one. We just needed it to tide us over until the industry returns to normal, whenever that is, but hopefully soon. So that's the long and short of it. This was an idea that came and went overnight and again everyone seemed excited about it if you were on twitter on april 1st and you frequent comics twitter then you you know about this you saw it and you probably saw all the excitement that was associated um and just like that it went away april fools april fools indeed um Brian Hibbs, who we've referenced several times uh, over the past couple of weeks, said, A poll on a retailer forum right now has 119 opposed, 17 unsure, and 5 for the digital first releases, even if it comes from a retailer source. Beyond the philosophical idiocy of encouraging cross-channel migration, even passively, the mechanical aspects of it are insane. How could anyone process and deal with four to 20 weeks of physical print comics dropping at once that would be needed to catch up? I can barely make a profit with my much, much larger discounts than what the Comic Hub plan offers, and this creates an exponential amount more work in having to track and organize such sales, all for what will be a paltry revenue stream. I am now firmly convinced that Marvel and DC didn't cave to retailer pressure, which is like 90% against, but that they merely hit pause so that Stu Coulson and Comic Hub could provide them with the fig leaf of cover they need to go full bore on Comixology. Seriously, people, this is a shitty, shitty plan, and any publisher that goes for it is my enemy. (laughs) Shit. So, there's a divide, clearly, within the retailer community. And no one can agree on how to move forward with this process. Pete, you brought up, you know, that someone's going to have to lose in this situation. You're not quite sure why retailers are angry at DC for their decision making. 
and oh. um and the fact that you know something has to give this would have been that thing to give this would have been the big idea that allows everyone to put their hands in the cookie jar and come out with something even if it's just a crumb instead of a full uh cookie what do you think about this whole uh you know comic hub thing and how it went down i i gotta say like i really i feel like i feel like this is a mistake uh on the part of of the retailers who are are so vehemently against it anyway and 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 i what the fuck do i know i don't own a comic book store like i'm not a business owner like they are like i don't claim to know more than anybody um but I think I think what was laid out from the quotes that you pulled, right, where like this didn't need to be the new solution; it needed to be a temporary solution. Um, that I think rings true to me on some level because I, I I get the trepidation, like I get that it's it's less money than you're used to, and that like that doesn't seem worth it, and all these things. But like, if the alternative is your business closing, like, isn't that a I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, my initial thought is why? Why aren't retailers okay with this? And I think that response of this could be a pipeline to people pivoting to digital and encouraging that on any level is something we can't afford to do. Fine. Maybe maybe you're right, you know, and, and maybe that, that is a gamble that you can't afford to take and and that's that's where you land on it. And, I, you know, I respect that, like, that's you own the business like you know the realities right but in the same breath i don't i don't see the the covid situation changing anytime soon and diamond is not put publishing books they are in debt they are in threat of being bought out and like the shops are closing anyway so like i don't i don't think that comic books or owners like have the benefit of of making that call right now of 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 like taking this like principled stand of we're not going to make this concession do better for us it's like in a couple of weeks you might not have that option you know like what well, if this if this if this goes for even another 2 months which seems like guaranteed at this point right like i don't even think that's up for debate that we're still going to be here come summertime how many of these stores can afford to stay open and keep paying rent when you have no income coming in and there's no product to put on shelves and you're not allowed to be open and our government isn't doing enough to bail you out. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like that seems like a bad idea. Like it seems like any money is better than no money in the same way that I think like the idea of the, of Publishers continuing to sell to the digital market. 10% of your audience paying you is better than 0% of your audience paying you right now, right? Like, isn't it? Isn't that better? Like, the ability – because, like, that gives you at least some capital to work with to, like, get a loan, you know, and, and like, try to stay afloat. I don't know. Like, that seems like a concession worth trying. And the fact that, like, there are major retailers who seem to think that this was the right move – Apparently not a big enough percentage of them um, makes me sad that like all of a sudden it's just totally off the table, right? Like we're not even like, all right, well, can we renegotiate these percentages? Like what, what do you, what needs to change for this to make sense for you? Because again, if it's not some kind of digital solution, I don't know what retailers expect. 
Like what 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 else can be done? Probably nothing. Um, Kale, what do you think? Yeah, for me, like I I do like the idea, but it's like we said, the logistics are a nightmare. You know where where does a store if they can get all those extra books? Where do they put them? Where do they get stored in the meantime? You know who's going to print them? Uh, you know how are, how is a random store in I don't know Wisconsin going to get uh, codes uh, for all that to work? How in this in this new age where everybody's home and bored as fuck and people are hacking the government health website? You know, and piracy is apparently in the the conversation again. Like well, real real world who, piracy. <laughs> oh, oh, well, and, and publishing piracy as well. This there there was a New York Times article or an NPR broadcast. Uh, I think at the beginning of this week, um, and it brought up the conversation again. In what world would someone not hack the system and you know get? A shit ton of codes and wipe out a, a whole shop's content. I just like the logistics are a nightmare. Yeah, and I, and that's true, right? Like, I don't, I don't think this is an elegant solution. Um, but like, I I feel like to make like a, a somewhat messy metaphor. To me, it feels like okay. Like if I fucking gash my arm open. Right. And I don't have alcohol and proper gauze and all the stuff I need to wrap the wound and dress the wound properly. But I do have uh, the old, the T-shirt that I'm wearing. Right. And that's cloth and it'll it'll suffice. It'll stop the bleeding for now. Like you need some solution. You need some money coming in. Like you need something. And it's like, not the oh, same you, because you mean it, you you mean like America's uh, uh hospital mask situation yes unfortunately that that wasn't worth the interruption sorry it's choosing to die now versus die later that's 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 all it is or choosing to die now versus maybe die later and that's where i think people are getting tripped up on this and i have i so i've always been opposed to this idea and i'm going to state this up front yes i am exclusively going to read comics physically i will never read comics on a consistent basis digitally it's just not going to happen i've read digital comics before i do them i do it from time to time for the show when i have to if i can't physically get to a store to buy a book that we're going to read for the show i'll get it digitally Um, but it's not my first choice right that being said Outside of my how I choose to enjoy comics, there's a very important piece to the puzzle, which is simply that retailers don't have a stake in the digital space in a real way. And this industry, right? So, like, not video games, not music, you know, all of those are irrelevant to this particular point. This industry will not survive without retailers. It's a simple fact. There's no way. Because 
a minority of people read digital comics and retailers are saying, and even DC is saying, they're not the same audience. It's not the same people, right? So if that's the case, if you know that the industry cannot survive without retailers, you literally cannot throw retailers out. You can't come up with a solution that circumvents them or doesn't have them squarely at the forefront of whatever the solution is. You just can't do it. Yeah. So because of that, this is not a good idea. And then you have to consider how in the world, right, are a majority of retailers, and this is a point that I made last week, how in the world are a majority of retailers going to get to you months worth of books that, that are owed to you? Yep. Then, yep. right, you, you're doing this because you want money now, right? Okay, great. You got your money now. So what happens in six months when Diamond has to now get me my books? They spent the money yeah. six months ago. So what's going to happen? They're going to have the same problem. Yeah, I mean, they'll all be in debt. Yeah. Go ahead, Kale. And and if if Diamond is so far behind and so far behind in debt, they're just going to use that money to pay off their debt, and it's just going to be worse. Right. And so if this were to save any amount of comic shops – or keep books going out or keep, you know, uh, creators working. Those are all, those are all problems. Um, then, then, you know, maybe a person would think, well, then it's worth doing, but I disagree because the second that the bottom falls out on retailers, the comics industry is gone. It's just gone. And, you know, the point has been made on this show that the industry needs to evolve and it needs to change and blah, blah, blah. And that's all great, but it is where it is right this minute. Yeah. And you can't force evolution in that way. So because go go ahead. I, w- I just wanted to ask you, I guess, a follow up question, which is just: do, do you have like any thought on like what like what happens now? Then right, like if 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 this because you said like I think this was kind of like the hail mary solution, and like it doesn't seem to be a good one. And if that's the case, like where do we go from here? The same place that theater chains are going, the same place that restaurants are going, the same place that everybody's going. This is an unprecedented crisis, and there's no effective solution. You can't, you, you can't create a solution to a problem that has none. You know, you just have to accept reality and hope that you can weather the storm. And I understand that people might look at it like, well, then you're just choosing not to make any money. Why would you choose that? Because, again, it's choosing to make money now to kill yourself later. That's that's all it is. You're creating a nightmare for yourself down the road. And no one should want to do that. It, it doesn't make any sense. And again, a lot of retailers will not benefit from this. Yeah. And I'm sorry for every creator who's going to suffer, every retailer who's going to suffer, because it's not like retailers are saying, you know, oh, well, we want we want this because we're making so much money now and we want to keep everybody out of the <laughs> yeah, party. right? No. They're not making money right now. You know, they don't have a way to make money right now. Um, creators <laughs> actually – go ahead, Kale. They were making money before. So. Creators have um, – and, and not all of them, and a lot of them are going to suffer. But just like retailers have back 
um, issues and, you know, whatever they have in stock that they can try to move. Um, a lot of creators have the benefit of if you're an artist, you can do a lot of art right now. I've seen a lot of that going on. A lot of creators have Patreons and stuff like that. Writers are unfortunately um, much more in danger right now than artists are because there's nothing you can really offer. Um, yeah. Uh, but Ooh. thanks for that grim reminder. Yeah. <laughs> but um, to, to me, yeah, that, that, that hit me. <laughs> but it's just the fact. It's the fact that there is no elegant solution. And every industry is suffering. And comics are just the other another one. You know what's wild to me, especially as all of this conversation started happening, I saw uh, a lot of, I don't know, bigger creators. Bendis was ben, – Bendis – as per usual, was the the biggest perpetrator of this. Was uh, he was posting about how don't worry, comics will continue, comics will be made. And I sat there and I read that and I was like, yeah, but that's not the problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. You're, you're <laughs> utterly missing the point. <laughs> yeah, my my concern is that we come out the other end of this and the wave of smaller publishers that we've seen in recent years, like those companies all get swept away, um, that we see mass closures of comic book stores and that we see um, like a forced evolution of the market. Uh, and I, I don't think that physical will go away or anything like that, but um, I don't know that this isn't the extinction of the comic book store. And that's my fear. You know, and that that doesn't mean the end of comics, you know, like that doesn't mean um, anything but that, you know, because the direct market didn't exist before 1988 or whatever, 1980, maybe a little bit earlier. Um, and, I, and I think comics will survive no matter what, but that's to your point, Kale, that's not what we're talking about, right? What we're talking about is how many businesses and families and employees like lose their source of income, how many communities lose a, a hub of where people go to talk about comics and connect, you know, and that is something that you can't replace when it's, when it's gone. And uh, I, I don't even agree with that. I don't think that, I don't think that the industry will, if, if, if things go as bad as they possibly can, the industry doesn't go on the same. Those publishers that you're talking about will not exist. Lion Forge just closed. So, oh. yeah, those those publishers that you're talking about, those small publishers, <laughs> whether digital comics are available for sale or not, are gone. Because they don't sell enough comics anyway. And then if you were, if you if you add this element, the coronavirus, to the situation, they can't survive. No. Yeah. So I, I guess that's what I what I meant to say is like not that things as they are will continue. It's that like comics will keep getting made, but like the landscape of where we're at right now will be like unrecognizable. Yeah, without without question. But what I'm saying is that, um, it's. It's easy. So, like, I'll use an example from what is something that I'm most familiar with, which is wrestling. Really quickly, 
A lot of people will be familiar with WWF and WCW. And those two companies went head-to-head in the 90s. And eventually, I mean, it was massive popularity. They were both huge, okay? And at that time, there were probably, I think the number is, uh, there were, what, like 13 million people watching wrestling at that time? Something like that, collectively between both of them. When WCW closed within uh, a couple, maybe a couple of years, that number dropped to 7 million. Today, WWE is lucky if 3 million people watch the weekly product. Okay? That's a drop of 11 million plus people over the course of less than 20 years. And that's only because one company got out the business. Okay? It's not because... Um, the industry collapsed. It's not because there was a virus that caused people to not be able to uh, perform anymore. It's just because one company couldn't keep up. What I'm telling you is that people stopped watching wrestling because what they wanted wasn't present. So the obvious analogy is to people who want to read comics. Yes, comics will still be there, but it's not the way you want them. WWF wasn't presenting wrestling the way WCW was, and people just stopped. Yeah. So what I'm saying, I say that to say that unless I'm proven wrong down the road, I will never believe that comics will be able to continue to be published and be a um, a profitable industry for anyone if retailers go away. I don't think that even Marvel or DC – could survive a scenario where retailers don't exist. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Um, it's tough to say because I, 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 I think they would. I just don't think they would look anything like they do now. Like I, I but how? Like I, I, I could genuinely see a future where single issue comics, like floppies, in the way that we know them, don't exist. And the market shifts to like a like a more bookstore oriented kind of thing. Like especially if like a penguin comes in and buys diamond, you know, um, and just changes the game in that way. Where like the way that like you know, because again, like you think about like comics in the you know uh, from like the forties to the the eighties, right? Like they were sold in one specific way, and it was at newsstands it was this it was that and i'm sure that there are generations of people who are like that's the way you buy comics and that's the only way i could see buying comics until the direct market became a thing and disrupted the industry in the same way that this right now is is disrupting the industry and disrupting that direct market um that might be a future but i don't think that that's a future that everybody thrives in or survives in either like because i don't i don't think that like marvel and dc are going anywhere because their IP is super valuable and people are interested in it. And like, I think as long as you put out books about Batman, people will buy books about Batman. Um, But that doesn't mean that we still get detective comics monthly in the way that we, you know what I mean? Like, and that's more what I'm talking about is like, I think that I don't think that the, the biggest players in the game go away because comics are a super valuable IP farm. And I think that like, those things are going to continue, but like I totally agree with you that like the 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 smaller publishers, like and not even like the super super small ones, right? Like anybody that's not on that level, 
is is in danger and is in serious danger of you know like of just that of their business going away forever like of that model of distribution not existing anymore marvel doesn't marvel studios does not need marvel comics and they haven't for a long time comics are an ip farm for other studios but Marvel Studios does not need Marvel Comics. DC, DC, Warner does not need DC Comics. They haven't used a new idea from the comics on screen, maybe ever. <laughs> None of the ideas that DC has used are new ideas. I, that's, None of the characters are new characters. That's definitely true of them. But I mean, like, look at like what Marvel has right now with like like Kamala, right? Like, and how they're about to turn young, you know, Miss Marvel. Um, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, into like a multi-million dollar IP, and that's something that is like newish. It's like the first issue of of like her first appearance was only in what like twenty twelve or thirteen. You think that Kevin Feige can't keep Marvel going and develop new characters for the screen without no. any comic book writers involved? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like. Uh, like like selling books in general isn't super profitable, right? Like, but it doesn't need to be a, like make a huge amount of money for it to be worth doing for Marvel to like publish books that are comics. You know, like, we don't know that. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, fair enough. And 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 that's and that's the problem is that there's so much conversation about how the industry can survive and what conditions it can survive under and what's worth publishing and what's not. And I always trust the people who actually sell these books. And if they're saying that the industry couldn't even survive a 10% dip, how could it possibly survive a 90% dip when you eliminate all the people who buy comics in stores? Will they go to bookstores like you're saying? Some will. Yeah. Yeah. But it's some. If you even cut that in half, if you cut that, if you cut that number in half, if you cut that number by sixty percent, what does that look like? I mean, shit. That's pro- crazy. Probably less than that, right? If you cut it by a third, it's probably that devastating. <laughs> and then again, like the WWF WCW analogy, there are some people who will only buy Marvel comics. There are some people who only buy DC comics. There are some people who won't buy comics from either one. Mm. If Image goes first, you know, if they're gone, where do those fans go? Now the number of people who read comics dips and doesn't rise again. Yeah. Right? So that's a whole different world than we can possibly project. And it's a very, very scary one. Yeah. Do I believe that people will continue to make comics? Yes, of course. Because the internet is a thing. And there are people mm. making comics now. Mm. Um are they books that are that are image books or Marvel books? No, they're books that are you know webtoons like Marco always brings up and, and things like that. That will always be there. Let me ask: What if the industry goes? What does comics become? You know, like you were saying with like webtoons or you know my my first example was uh, the thing that popped into my head when I formed this question was uh, Thought Bubble. You know, which is uh, uh, an indie festival where you know a lot of young creators are just you know making their own thing and doing their own thing and it's the the passion of comics that keeps that uh festival going Mm. does it become a hobby 
No, I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, I, I, I think it just becomes smaller, right? Because I think like even um, using the to to continue with the the WWE analogy, because I think it's a good one. Um, wrestling didn't go away, right? Wrestling just isn't what it was, and I, comics is a lot smaller already on some levels. So like, there's an argument to be made that it can't survive um, that kind of culling but i don't i don't know that that's the case because i think to sean's point as long as there are are people who make art um and as long as there's the internet there will be people who make comics and there will be distribution channels for comics um the question is does the does the market that currently exists evolve with that change or does it completely die and then something new comes in its place, and either are are possible, and and I think I think some level of both will happen. Um, yeah, because because I, I I don't know because I don't I don't see comics as we know them one hundred percent dying. I don't believe right now is us talking like is us having the conversations of the beginnings of two years from now we can't do this 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 show the way we do this show because weekly comics don't exist anymore i i don't i don't necessarily believe we're there yet i think that's a very real possibility and i think it's a more real possibility than it's ever been um but i guess to make another like clumsy analogy from another industry or whatever um a lot of people are not aware of uh what was called the video game crash that happened in the 80s, which was where there was this period where um, there were a lot of consoles on the market and there was a lot of shovelware and shitty games and people lost faith in the quality of video games and there was a huge market crash. And the thing that revitalized the industry was Nintendo and the Super the NES. Um, and they had to rob that you all know from Super Smash Brothers. He was a pack-in toy that Nintendo invented to basically trick... Toys R Us to carry the NES because video games were such a like persona non grata. Um, and you look at how healthy the industry is now, right? So like the death of a, of a way of life in an industry, in a, in a medium, doesn't mean the death of the medium um, because comics could have a Phoenix type rebirth and we see uh, new players enter the space to fill a void or... Uh, a, 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 a penguin comes and buys um, Diamond and, and changes the game, you know? And there are all these things that don't exist right now that could. And there's all these things that we used to do that we maybe will go back to. Like maybe the direct market becomes, you know, you ordering comics with the mailing list, like Sean has said he used to do with Marvel Comics, you know? And like that's how people get magazines or and got magazines when they were a popular thing so uh, those are all options those are all things that could happen and we don't know you know because like sean said this is unprecedented right now and this is not only unprecedented for comics it's unprecedented for like everything and we don't know what the government's gonna do we don't know who is gonna survive and and be able to adapt and and maybe take advantage of the death of a huge percentage of the industry. You know, like those are all very realistic things. And they're things that like, to Sean's point earlier, right now it's super fucking scary because it could all just collapse and go away. It happens all the time. And 
Will we be sad if that happens? Yeah, but there's nothing we can do about it. If if that's what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. And comics will evolve however they do. Um, but there's also a very real possibility that the shakeup, all it means is an evolution of the names in the game, right? That before the NES, there was no Nintendo. It was the Atari, you know, like that was the, the big mover and shaker and look how irrelevant they are now, right? And look at the silver golden age comics, how many publishers were dominant forces that don't exist today, right? Like industries are always evolving and changing and dying and being reborn. So there's a lot of fear right now and I think it's well-placed, but I don't know that we have to go directly to doom and gloom because there are people who want to make comics and there are people who want to read comics. Um, and I think we'll find a way to connect with each other. Yeah. Can you imagine if black mask comes out of this as like the next, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the next shit, like, man, Marvel, maybe, maybe somebody <laughs> like that too, right? Like think about Kickstarter, like, all right, cool. Like if you want to get comics, the way you have to do it is go support a Kickstarter. Like there's so many ways nowadays. That- I don't know what you said, but I'm glad I didn't hear it. Damn. All right. Savage. No, <laughs> yeah, you cut out there, Pete. Uh, what I said was um you also have to think about like think about somebody like Black Mask, like maybe the way you get comics now is like through direct support of those kinds of publishers, like on a Kickstarter or a Patreon or or all those kinds of things. Like the people who really want to read comics will find ways to support the people who want to make them and they'll get the books. Yeah, totally. And um I think that that's something to uh, that's that's something to consider for sure. Is like the, the kickstarters and things like that. I think if you have if you have means and you want to support uh, creators right now, there are definitely ways to do that. Um, if you've got a favorite creator, chances are that right now they have a way for you to support them. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't necessarily include buying their books at the local LCS. Yeah, go get um, a commission if you can afford it. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's probably the other side of this conversation too that we didn't touch on um and is relevant but it's just kind of outside the scope of this show is just people's money right like um people don't necessarily even have the extra money and comics are a luxury so you know whatever the solution is that comes whether it would have been comic hub or something that someone else will decide on uh within the weeks and months to come may not be viable for the simple fact that people can't buy into it so, um, yeah, lots, yeah, lots to consider. That's going to be a real that that'll be a real problem <laughs> is if all of a sudden, like the unemployment rate keeps going up and everybody's having trouble. Like comics are also an expensive hobby, which is mm-hmm. another wrinkle in this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but we are hopeful. Uh, I am hopeful personally that. This is not the end. I don't even think this is the end of the way that we do things now. I really don't in terms of comics. Um, I know that sounds crazy, but I just don't feel like that's what's that's what's going to happen. I think it's a possibility, but I don't feel like we're going down that road. And um, I can't wait for the continued stories of these characters that we know and love to uh, to see release. Um I'm gonna miss the X Men, man. Yeah, man. I wanted to. I wanted to read. I wanted to know what was gonna happen next within their stories. But We're ramping uh, up to some cool it, stuff. Yeah, it looks like we'll have to wait. Maybe this podcast can become 
uh, a podcast where we try to figure out where the stories were going to go. <laughs> We write our own fan fiction and then yeah, act yeah, it out. Just, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't hate that. I don't I hate do. that. <laughs> and it was my idea. Well, um, I, I will say uh, if things continue the way that they are, we're going to have to get creative here in the next couple weeks. <laughs> I've got an idea that I want to use, but it's going to it's gonna divide. It's going to divide everyone. It might even It might even cause a civil war. Could tear us asunder. Oh, I don't like this. Yeah. yeah you know, we'll you know see. what? I, I will say we do have the benefit of it's almost time to elect another president here on the Comics Pals. Wilson Fisk's first term is coming up, so maybe we'll have to do that soon. <laughs> there are plenty of there are plenty of things coming up for us. <laughs> and that's a Comics Pals guarantee. Um but yeah, we're very interested in hearing what you guys that are listening have to say about this. Uh there's Obviously, many sides to come down on this issue from. I think uh, the three of us did our best to present that for you guys, but it's ultimately up to you. You know, where do you stand on this issue? Do you think that retailers saying no to the Comic Hub um, digital first strategy was a mistake? Or do you think it was pragmatic? Do you think that, um, do you think that the comics industry can survive either way? Lots of things to talk about. Um, you can get us in a myriad of ways. Of course, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. We are on social media at thecomicspals. If you're on YouTube, you can leave us a comment there if you want to get in on the discussion. But either way, while you're on YouTube, you should definitely subscribe to our channel. You should definitely leave us a like. And if you enjoy this and want to get your friends' thoughts, share the video with them and um, you know make them fans of ours as well. Uh, we just put out the Demon Bear Saga Book Club. Uh, you're definitely going to want to go listen to that. Of course, the New Mutants movie is never going to see release. But never coming out. That doesn't mean we can't talk about a really good book anyways. That's what we're here to do. So go check that out and prepare for the Uncanny X-Force book club by giving that a read. If you want to support uh, your local comic book shop, you can buy that omnibus from them. Um, hopefully, they've got some killer deals right now. You Thankfully, can you can buy cheap. old comics, guys. That will get us through this time. It's going to get me through this time. I've got a stack <laughs> waiting to be read. Let's do some plugs, Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about what you've been doing to keep sane these days. Uh, I am actually right now rewatching Daredevil. Uh, on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, man, you should have said that. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I meant to bring it up earlier, and then you like got into the plugs, and I was like, I'm not going to step on Sean's thunder right now. Uh, we'll talk about it next week, though. Um, yeah, Sarah's never seen it before, so uh, we're, I'm watching wow. it with her, and um, yeah, she's loving it. It's been really fun rewatching it. I haven't rewatched it um, in quite some time. This is my only my third time ever watching it, I think. Uh, and I've never rewatched season two, so very, very excited to get there as well. Um, so I, I'm having a good time with that and, uh, you know, still playing Animal Crossing and all that stuff. So if you guys have any other stuff to recommend or, or whatever, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so come connect with me there. And, uh, if you want to get some more content from me, uh, I, you can go check out myself over at loopots.com, uh, where I host their weekly podcast, the or weekly Nintendo podcast, the podcast, as well as the Patreon exclusive show after dark. And I've been streaming some Animal Crossing over on the Twitch channel as well. So uh, if you are playing Animal Crossing and you want to trade items or, you know, come hang out or whatever, uh, come do that. Stay safe. Wash your awesome. hands. Kale? 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, where I am slowly losing my mind, at Toto Into, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, you can find my work at kaleward.com, that's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Um, uh, yeah, oh, Marco just came out with a, a two-page comic uh, about a magician or some shit. Um, I think it's on his website com. that's M-A-R-C-O-C-U-N-A-L-A-T-A well I think that was right yeah dot com and you can find him uh, uh, at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter and Instagram oh yeah and uh, Phil is posting pictures of his dog uh, at Cyborg Bebop that's C-Y-B-O-R-G B-O-B-O-P no it's B-E-B-O-P messed up my own damn song I'll say this because it's not actually Phil's dog, and I know that neither he nor the owners of the dog will hear this. But Ryder is one of the wait, 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 dogs Sean, I've you cut seen. out, you cut out. Oh no, you cut out. <laughs> Damn, I was waiting for it to come back so I could get the context clues, but it just it's did just not. Hard cut. <laughs> That's funny. What I said was, um, I know that the owners of the dog will not hear this, and neither will Phil. Um, and he's not even the owner, but. Ryder, the dog in question, is one of the ugliest dogs ever. Oh my god! He is a motherfucking goblin. He is a goblin. He is. He's Thank a little, you. He's a little pig. That's what Phil always calls him. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys know dogs eat grass? Yeah, when they yes. want to throw up. Yep. My dog does what? all the time. Mm-hmm. She, we have a carpet. She goes for the carpet. Because oh, she yeah. doesn't know the difference. This motherfucking dog that I have, I watched him put his whole, like, nose on the ground and chomp up, like, he's a goat. Like, he chomped up grass. Like, took a bite out of the ground. And I don't get his it. His tummy must be bothering him. Yep. Uh, as for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. If you hate me now because of my stance on Ryder, that's too bad. See the dog for yourself. Damn. Um Otherwise, Savage. I'm going to go watch Batman versus Superman. So with that. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Why? Um, Quarantine's hitting later. hard, man. Okay, next week, baby. <laughs> we're talking about Daredevil oh, no. and Batman v Superman. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Stay safe. Stay safe.